0: You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast
1: in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products.
0: Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce.
1: And today's guest is Sindre Holand, the CEO and founder at SalesScreen. For instance, you could run a lottery.
2: So every time you book a meeting, uh, you get you know one lottery ticket. Every time you close a deal, you can get ten. Uh, so you can have different the point weighting here as well. But the point is, as long as you book one meeting, you stand a chance to win the grand prize.
1: It's time again for a new episode of the Nautic podcast and here we are again thomas here and daniel my friend how are you today
0: very good that's a new one yeah that's a new one like <laughs> you can't see thomas but i'm looking at him here and like he even make it made a hand movement <laughs> yeah exactly so expect expect more of that i like it i like yeah. it. I, I am very good thank you we've had a fantastic start to the year our, our member companies and the community is is thriving and nothing makes me as happy as to hear that We have helped in one way or another uh, and contributed with something good that helped companies. So I think we've had a couple of those this week, which was really encouraging for us.
1: And also feel free to reach out at any time if you have any ideas of... uh you know content from for the podcast if you want to be engaged in some way or if you need any kind of help we are you know more than happy to to try to help with our contacts or whatever knowledge that we could provide so um, yeah looking forward to engage with you at any time we have an interesting guest for you today super
0: interesting i think if i may say it i know we're supposed to be unbiased i think this one and and the topic is a little bit closer to our hearts or maybe at least my heart
1: your heart. No, <laughs> my heart as well, but you're the, you're the sales guy, so uh, I know that this is right in your corner. I hope a lot of people will appreciate it. Today, we are very happy to have Sindre Holand, the CEO and founder at Sales Green, here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So welcome, Sindre. Thanks. Great to be here.
0: Great to have you here, Sindre. And for the people that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about who are you? Well, I'm a Norwegian
2: Viking. Uh, I'm living in Brooklyn, New York, with my wife, three year old son, and one year old daughter. Um, congratulations, uh, Daniel, by the way.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. you. So, you know what I'm going through now? I am. I am. Like, you know, the whole saying of uh, one is
2: one and two is ten is actually true when you get uh, down the road. So, um, just, you know, hold on tight. But I feel it. Besides that, uh, I guess you could say I'm a tech geek. Uh, I have a master's degree in computer science. I started coding very early on. Uh, mastered assembly level code at an age of 13. And taking on you know, complex problems what, uh, is really what fueled me to explore every venue of computer science until I realized the biggest challenge of them all was to start and grow my own business. So here I am. Very cool.
1: Okay. Uh, and could you tell us a little bit about your business, uh, Sales Screen? What do you do?
2: Uh, very simply put, you could say SalesScreen is a gamification platform designed to help accelerate sales by making sales work fun and exciting.
0: All right, okay, very cool. And uh, do you do you sell this to all types of sales organization, or or who is your customer really? We do. We have a global
2: presence and we sell globally. Uh, but you know, the the bigger the client is, and the more salespeople that they have, or people working. Uh, with sales, it could be SDRs, BDRs, it could be, you know, customer success, uh, uh, the better. So uh, typically within, you know, the software industry, um, then you have clients like Sitecore, uh, which is a very renowned uh, Danish uh, company. Yeah. Uh, in, in insurance, you know, it could be anyone from Allianz to City and Trug and you know, all of these uh, that we know from the Nordic uh, in banking. Uh, Close to your heart, probably in Nordea, Uh, we also have Standard Chartered Bank across the world, you know, know, big banks like that, something that a consumer bank globally, Uh, finance, we have uh, huge unicorns like uh, Goodlip in America, in mortgaging. Uh, So those types of industries, the more salespeople,
1: the better. Right. Okay. So a lot of impressive customers. So now we really want to get into the numbers. So what is your ARR currently?
2: Uh, Our ARR currently is around $7 million.
1: Okay. Cool. And what is your growth rate at the moment?
2: Uh, last year we grew uh, north of fifty percent, and this year we expect to grow between sixty and eighty percent. Wow.
1: Okay. And roughly, how many customers do you have?
2: Uh, customers, uh, roughly four hundred and twenty-three. Uh.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> it seems like you have some kind of tool that gives you that number every day. I do.
0: The engineer is speaking. Let me give you a rough number: four hundred twenty-three.
1: So boom. I think it's the most exact number we got so far. So yeah, I know think we are on, on a good good path in this episode so but the number of employees do you have that as well
0: uh currently we're 63
1: okay good
0: very cool i, I like this how this numbers crunching is going like and how are you guys uh financed how, how are you running these operations
2: uh so traditionally this company was uh founded back in 2011 and we bootstrapped all the way until 2018 that's when we had our first external round of uh, funding uh, at the 20 million knock uh, emission. Okay. So uh, that's it. Uh, besides that, we had some debt financing, uh, which has uh, allowed us to accelerate the growth uh, now in recent years as well. So uh, not too much of uh, external funding, uh, but we're at that stage now where that could be interesting moving into the future.
0: Okay. So for all the VCs listening to this, they should pay attention to what's, what's happening here for the next half hour, right?
2: I think especially if you're a growth equity firm, uh, that
1: could be highly relevant, yes.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And and how big uh, of a chunk do you still own? Uh, currently, I have uh, roughly a quarter of the company. Awesome.
1: So uh, before we go on to the main topic of this episode we would like to know more about the um, the history of sales screen. you mentioned that you were bootstrapped from the beginning but could you take us back to the first moments and and maybe also um feature some of the key milestones in your journey where things went good bad or yeah whatever
2: sure just plain ugly Plain ugly. All right. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, back in 2011, I was a young first-time founder, uh, 22 years old. I started the company uh, and it's been in the making for a long time. I had this weird passion for the sauce business model. Uh, So I knew I was going to create a sauce at some point, but I didn't have like a brilliant idea. Uh, so, so that was kind of like what was holding me back. But I realized I was, you know, surrounded by all these brilliant engineers at NTNU in Trondheim, Norway, uh, a top uh, engineering school. And it's like, hey, why don't I just get started? I can, you know, get to know the market. I can get money in by doing consultancy work and and test, um, you know, who could potentially be my co-founders and and future founding team. And that's how I found my CTO Oystein and my CPO Mario Sakerold. Um, which are still working with me, of course, today. But pretty much what we did uh, is something I would advise uh, any first-time founder to stare away from. (laughs) And that was uh, typical engineers. You know, we found this new technology. uh, It was called the push notification. And we're like, oh, this is brilliant. You know, this can replace the text message for corporates. Let's do a weekend hackathon and build our first sauce around replacing the text message obviously this hackathon became a year-long project and then when we finally completed and was ready to launch into the market space the same week the text message became free of charge (laughs) okay and no customers (laughs) wanted to use this right like we hadn't talked to anyone we just based it on a technology on our gut feeling on our assumptions of what the world needed and it was plain wrong so beware do not start a business like that um you know, there is a server lining to this story. Uh, we were lucky enough to have um, uh, an in into eighteen eighteen one, which is kind of like uh, the yellow pages or a Nero uh, in, in Norway. Yeah, um, big sales force, both in the field and in call center type of environments, and uh, they had this concept of uh, sending a test, text message to everyone when somebody placed their ad or closed a deal. That kind of created this bus, uh, even if you were outside the office, if you were in the office, the phones were bussing because, you know, this was ancient times. Uh, And uh, I I would say, you know, they've created this concept of uh, um, using digital tools to create a spark of sales motivation. And uh, they decided to replace their own own text message with our tool and start to challenge us and how could you... Um, you know, get more into the thing of like sales reporting and, and sales motivation? Could that text message generated by our application include a pie chart showing how much did they sell today compared to their colleagues? How are they progressing towards their quota? And that is kind of like how we started to pivot into something, uh, you know, a real client actually wanted and needed and was willing to put money on the table for. Uh, but it wasn't until they uh, asked a very fundamental question, like, hey, could we have all of this data that you now start to have, like up on TV screens in our office space. Uh, That's when the light bulb hit because uh, I still remember this vividly today. Uh, When we first came, we mounted a TV screen. in front of us, he was working in the call center and he knew what was coming on uh, and what was going to happen. The rest didn't. He was just looking at us like, hey, are you guys ready? And we're like, yeah, we're we're done. And uh, once uh, uh, we, we gave him the nod, he took his mobile phone went into the middle of the bullpen. Everyone's like looking at it. Hey, what do you want? Uh, and he's like, okay. And he added the sale on his phone and, you know, all the screens lit up with, I have the tiger playing simultaneously <laughs> and people <laughs> just jumping up and down. I was like, wow. I was looking at my co-founder. It was like, uh, okay, I think we hit a nerve. Like I've never seen a reaction.
1: Since. I'm seeing a little bit of Wolf of Wall Street, know, right? exactly. you know, stuff going on here. <laughs>
2: it was exactly that feeling. It's like, huh? You know, and that was really the pivotal moment for us. That's when we realized we need to just shut down what we built so far. We need to start over. Let's build like a sales motivation software. Um, and uh, you know, that's uh, the story behind how SalesScreen came to be. So we have a lot of to thank uh, that client for, right? Obviously, and um, I think that was a really good combination of like. Client focused development, uh, all the steps from there, uh, and and you know having an engineering background, so you actually got things to work uh, pretty well. So it was cool.
0: That that's so cool. That's so cool, and it also goes to show, you know, how important it is to to actually get that product out to that MVP. And like you might have a set idea, but if you get it out there and you get that feedback that will turn into like in your case to do something fantastic and something great. That's really cool. So true, Daniel. And,
1: and when in time are we there? Maybe you know the exact date. Yeah, it was, uh, it was back in
2: 2012. Uh, and okay. that's by the end of 2012, we decided to kind of start over. Uh, and uh, I think it was March, 2014 was eventually when we uh, released sales screen to, uh, to the world. So uh, it was a journey of like three years to, you know, try different tools, t- iterations, pivots, until we kind of landed at the sauce that we're uh, now bear the name of and, and uh, are known for.
1: Okay, All right. And 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 some. Do you have uh, some other milestones in your growth journey since then, since uh, 2014, that you think is worth to uh, mention?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah, there's uh, multiple uh, milestones. A big one for me was in 2015, when we could finally cut off the leg of our consultancy arm, which was kind of like funding the whole development of our product. And uh, that's when we could pay ourselves salary based on the recurring revenue from our own product that we built. And, and that was enough. So we 100% focus. Uh, big milestone year for me. Um, later on, I would say. 2017, we started to win lots of awards, like the fastest growing company back in the region where we started, you know, landed on the Financial Times fastest 500 companies in Europe two years in a row. Nice. So it was, yeah, it was good to be a bootstrap company. And, you know, we attracted some some major clients like Oracle. Uh, and, and I still remember in 2017, they asked me like, hey, you know, your tool is now being used in Japan, all across Europe, it's spreading into the U.S., we're known to crush startups. Uh, can you handle us as a, as a customer? And I was like, uh, sure, I, you know, I can do that. And, you know, inside myself, I was like, uh, no, I don't have the money. I don't have the staff. But I, I just can't. Uh, so that's when I kind of decided to go out and, and find external funding. And we teamed up with Spring Capital in 2018, mm. uh, which was the first time we, we kind of raised external capital. And that allowed me to move to New York in 2019. Uh, and today, you know, the... The U.S. arm of our business is the fastest growing one. We're over twenty full-time employees here now, uh, and you know we're just yeah, rushing through the, the U.S. right now. So it's uh, it's really exciting, really fun.
0: That's really cool. It's such an exciting journey, and like you know, it's so impressive that you guys ran at Bootstrap for so many years, and still had those great results. And like you said, you know, at one point you you had the courage to chop off the the funding arm, the, the consultancy. It's really cool. We're going to talk today about. Uh, something that I know is really close to your heart. It's about how to motivate and engage salespeople. And, you know, obviously I come from, from the sales world myself, and I don't know how many bottles of champagne I've given out <laughs> to uh, <laughs> the sales leader of the month or, or the, the top uh, revenue generator of the, the quarter or whatever it is. But, like, can you tell us a little bit, of, like, how you look at this? Like, you know, how do you go about to forming these programs? Like, you know, where do we start?
2: Yeah, uh, it, it is an excellent uh, topic, I would say, and it's uh, highly relevant today, especially given uh, that so many people have uh, taken to working remotely, permanently, uh, and you kind of lose out on that uh, connection that you had in the office and that, that, that culture, that atmosphere. Right. Um, so that's one thing that makes it relevant. I think the second thing is just like the the great resignation. So many people are, are changing work, so, so retaining talent has become harder and more important than ever. So how do you kind of like tie into the human side of the revenue team and you know make their work fun and exciting because let's face it like sales is hard work. It is. I've just stomach a lot of lots of nos mm. uh and, <laughs> and rejections and you know um and and people think about the sale which is the holy grail. That's when you ring the gong, the bell, you know, your your walkout sound is playing on TV screens, but uh there's so much work leading up to that and and that is usually repetitive it's brutal you know it's cold calling it's prospecting work like how do you make that fun uh and that's that's the challenge so we have seen so many things from sales leaders over the decade they're creative when it comes to competitions they have you know whiteboards in the office space where they thought whenever they get a new meeting or you know hit a milestone they have a seller of the month uh, awards and frame them in into the office space. You have so many analog things that we've been doing for decades. Uh, and that's really what we believe can be streamlined into a remote setting uh, across multiple offices uh, using, you know, digital tools. So uh, triggering the competitive instinct is, is a big one there.
0: Right, right. I'm getting the, the, the competitive juices flowing. And I think there's, there's, from my perspective, at least, there's some some good ways to do this, and and some really bad ways. My my first experience with a really really bad way, at least one that didn't pertain to me, was when I moved to the U.S. to to work in sales there, uh, at an organization that I had the pleasure to represent. They had this whiteboard where uh, a person would manually go in and say. Person A, top, person B, second person. And you see who is the, like, for everybody in the office, whether you work in finance or sales or everybody just walking by this big whiteboard, it was strategically positioned so everybody could see it. And he led his organization by fear. Like, the fear was, like, you don't want to be bottom of that whiteboard. (laughs) Uh, and And I think it's a tricky thing to find a way to, you don't want to scare your people to success. At least that's not how I see it. But it's about finding the way to motivate them to success.
2: Yeah, you're you're touching a very interesting topic here, which uh, I, I think is also culture, uh, because this is uh this is so true. Like uh, I I still remember talking to an executive at uh, HP uh and that this was uh, several years back, uh and they had something similar. You know, they had uh TV screens in their cantinas right. uh, with leaderboards <laughs> on, right? right? And uh instead of showing the top leaderboard like we're used to in the Nordics, uh, and and we even, in our tool, limit it so you only show top 50% or top 3 or top 10 depending on the worker council rules, you know, in in HP in in America, they show the bottom list. And if you were beneath the red line, you got cut. Okay. (laughs) So you weren't sitting there eating when you're
0: beneath the red line, right? Exactly. It's like, I'm not having lunch in the cantina anymore. And it's also like, you know, early on, like, my my days are counted here yeah. everybody knows it
1: no soup for you
0: <laughs> yeah it is it's brutal but you know that that's the thing it's
2: uh uh it's it's, it's the honest uh, reality of, of working within sales and, you know it's a per- performance driven uh and it's quantity uh, fueled so you know the more work you put in uh the more prospects you add to your sequence the more sequences you complete uh the more outbound activity you do Uh, The more, you know, progress you're going to do in your deal cycles and the more business you're going to close. Right. So in the the end, you need to find an internal motivation or have help from some external motivation factors to help keep you going at it like year over year over year, because this consistency is the key to winning in the sales game.
0: Right. So from your perspective, like what what are some of the levers that sales leaders have out there to to use and leverage to engage and motivate people? Like what, what have you seen work? I think if, for us,
2: there's like four key elements to creating a successful sales team. Uh, and those four are, you know, first, you need to identify. You need to ensure both the rep and the, and the leader know how they're performing in real time and help identify performance gaps. Uh, when you know where the gaps are, you can spin up spiffs or competitions and, and you know, trigger that competitive nature. So that's the second element, compete. Uh, and so many companies are still running competitions on spreadsheets, blackboards, whiteboards, you know, uh, bad uh, dashboards in Salesforce. So it's not being run often enough and you're not running them on, on the activities that matter that you need to close the gap on. Uh, but once you you, know, you start to get into the emotion of identifying performance gaps and trying to, to fill them by triggering the competitive instinct and, and running incentives around that, you can do more of the day to day motivation. And that is really, you know, around the lack of transparency. I would say around the day-to-day sales activities that teams are completing. Uh, you know, it 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 basically means you do a lot of hard work, and it's going by, um, you know, unnoticed. Nobody sees that you just moved a, a big opportunity from stage one to stage two. Right. Uh, nobody realized that you just had your uh, best week ever in terms of outbound activities. You know, if if these uh, activities aren't being elevated and and are transparent uh, people will easily burn out and and don't feel recognized for their hard work so you know transparency and visualization becomes important
1: and then finally coaching yeah and then someone gets lucky get this really big account and a lot of sales (laughs) engineers doing all the work and then then they hit that big win and is on the top of the list so I think what you're getting at here, finding the other things that you can sort of visualize and make visible in the company that is also important to have a continuous good sales department yes. is yeah. a good thing to do.
0: Yeah, I love that. So it's, it's not just celebrating the big win, but it's the journey to that win and making sure that everybody is aware that we're progressing here. Yes, absolutely. So break down
2: your big wins into the work that leads up to that big win and focus on that instead. That's what you can change on a day-to-day basis. And that's what you need need to celebrate. That's where, you know, gamification comes into play. Uh, You know, these games, they always have leaderboards. We talked about that. But they also have these badges and achievements. So, like, hey, you booked your fifth meeting this month. You just had 100 calls today, you know trigger achievements or make something around that uh, and, you know, make a splash around it. You know, Make an announcement in your Slack channel or yep. uh, ring the gong because they just had a fantastic week in terms of effort, right. not only for the big deals one. You know, you need to change your mindset there and, and it needs to be visualized for the whole organization.
0: You can't play the eye of the tiger too many times. <laughs> you can't. You can't. I mean, that's 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 so good to hear and, and also... <laughs> Um, encouraging. Uh, One thing I I was wondering to hear from, from your perspective is how do you manage these competitions? Because you can have these sub competition that lead to the big win, but I think let's face it, it's, it's the big win. It's that competition that matters the most. And that's most visible. Like, and it might be that depending on what type of organization you have, especially if you maybe have a smaller organization, that there might be, uh, some kind of recycling in terms of who wins month in, month out, quarter in, quarter out. There might be a couple of people that are overrepresented. How do you handle that? And what does that do to everybody else that feels like, shit, I'm not going to win anyway? <laughs> You're touching such an
2: important point here, Daniel. So uh, it's obvious that you've been a VP of sales, but <laughs> this is actually true for every organization. It doesn't matter size. You're always going to find the same 10 to 20% top performers uh, and, you know, the, the honest reality is that if you can incentivize and motivate the middle performers, you know, the core performers, that's when you're going to move the needle for the whole organization. So to your point, how do we do that? Uh, well, we've run over 30,000 competitions in our platform last year. So we found uh, some really cool, interesting information here. Amongst other, do not start the competition on Mondays. They they performed <laughs> worse. Uh, then especially Tuesdays and Wednesdays, that's the days you should start a competition. Do not run competitions too long of a time frame okay. uh, because then you have a boost in the beginning. It kind of goes down like a roller coaster and up towards the end. So if you have multiple smaller time competition, the output in, in general is going to be higher. So you rather want to do like one day blitzes or you know a weekly competition uh, that leads me to point three. You need to change it up. So some competition needs to be longer uh, where you you know, uh, instant, uh, show that the top 10 to 20% are the top 10 20%. Others, you need to put them together with someone junior and have a team-based competition. right? And then you can have a different one, which is more target achievement-based. So, you know, uh, obviously a senior rep who has the big deals, they have a higher target to, to meet. And a junior one is just entering, have a lower one, and they can compete on target achievement. Uh, but my favorite one is actually introducing the element of chance, and this is um, something that many uh, companies do with or without our tool, of course. But for instance, you could run a lottery. So every time you book a meeting, uh, you get you know one lottery ticket. Every time you close a deal, you could get ten. Uh, so you can have different uh, point weighting here as well. But the point is, as long as you book one meeting, you stand a chance to win the grand prize. Uh-huh. And if you're the top performer, you probably book five. So you have a much bigger chance of winning. So you're still incentivizing the top performers. But suddenly, these people who never won anything ever have the chance of winning the good price. And that becomes motivating.
0: Yeah, I love it. Super great. Because they're suddenly in the running, for real.
2: Yes. And throughout the whole time frame. And a different one, which I found from a sales leader, I don't remember, but they, they had this concept in their call center where they had you know envelopes up on the wall and every time somebody closed a deal because it was like a b2c company they got to, to pick out an envelope and, and inside it could be a dollar you know it could be a thousand dollars it could be you have to take 10 push-ups in front of the team uh <laughs> and that, that kind of uh we at least copy that into sales screen so that our client can run like a, a competition which is just kind of like the white elephant game so you, you pick presents every time you do something, like booking a meeting. And then if you don't like the one that you got, like 10 push-ups, you try to steal uh, someone else's. And you kind of swap back and forth until the time runs out. So you just vary it like that, make the work into a game. That's going to increase the performance quite a lot.
1: Sounds really fun. Yeah. and, and It's you, almost that you want to <laughs> you want to try it, right?
2: Exactly. It's like, it, it, it works. And, you know, the reason gamification works is, is, is really... Uh, I would say interesting. It's it's it works because our natural biology is built on it. Right. So we're instinctually programmed to do things in which we are rewarded, and to avoid things in which we do not get rewarded. And these rewards that flood our senses with feel good chemicals that boost our mood and motivate us to come back for more. And you know, uh, I'm just gonna say it <laughs> right now. You know, there's a reason why positive reinforcement works. Right. From dogs to kids to fully grown adults. You know, positive reinforcement keeps us engaged and wanting to do better
0: i'm going to make a bold statement so do not have the screens in the tv cantina where you show the the, the guys or girls that are currently not performing i would say that yeah
2: we, we always uh, suggest for our clients to have like a top 50 percent leaderboard so that it matters that you're on the big screen right you want to be on the big screen it's actually a positive thing oh my name is up there now because i'm I've managed to increase my performance. You want to have that type of mentality instead of like hanging out out people to dry. SAS Nordic is growing and now we're launching a unique peer-to-peer community on Slack. My name is Nina, I'm the SAS Nordic Community Manager and I would like to invite you to join this exciting forum. This will be the place to network, collaborate and share knowledge with other SAS professionals in the Nordics. The SAS Nordic Community is free and open to everyone working in Nordic SAS companies. Come join us at sasnordic.com, we can't wait to have you on board.
1: I mean, at the time being with COVID and everything or your company, are you working remote most of you or what does that look like?
2: So we used to have like a big office in Oslo, we still have, uh, and, and we're kind of like located around our main offices in you know, Oslo, Singapore and, and New York. But when the pandemic hits, uh, we turn completely remotely. So okay. uh, especially in our uh, North American arm, uh, we have over 20 people, I guess, you know, probably just five are like in New York City. Mm. Um, and the rest of uh, we have people, you know, from Texas to Chicago and L.A., uh, all over. So we're definitely uh, a remote company now as well.
1: Yeah, because my question here, I, I guess you also work with this internally uh, in your sales teams and so on. And, and now when we are working more remote and we don't have the big monitors in the office and uh, we can't do this... Um, yeah, other activities. That's where the push notification comes in. Yeah, but but how do you keep that engagement? And and, and I mean, if I get that sale, I mean, it's kind of hard to make everyone's computer play I, I of the Tiger. So how, how do you sustain this in a remote work situation?
2: Uh, we call it uh, the concept of sales around. So the thing is that there's so many tools today and there's a tool fatigue and people aren't looking actively for information in tools like you're not going to seek out that dashboard to see how things are doing Mm. you need to push uh on people so that's where the push notification comes into play daniel uh so in our uh world you know yes we have a native mobile application you receive a push push notification on uh we have a web application where if the tiger uh, pops up uh, when you have focus on it so it's actually queued in the background and when you're Curious to see how it's going. You know, go in there and you, it pops up uh, in your browser. Okay. Uh, so And and some diehard fans, of course, they put up their own TV monitor in their office space. Uh, but uh, you don't <laughs> need to have it
1: anymore. Or in their home, like in the kitchen where they sit with the kids and the wife and then suddenly, ba ba bam <laughs> Yeah,
2: but, you know, the concept can be deployed regardless of using sales screen or not because you could, for instance, use a, a tool to hook into your Salesforce. So when something is put in closed one, Uh, And we do this as well. You know, we we push it into Slack or Microsoft Teams. Right. So it's being pushed at them where they are. Uh, So it's like, oh, Daniel just got a deal and, you know, they can go in and check more, but they get the notification. And that's so important for engagement. Mm. And you need to push it on them. Hey, a new competition just started. Hey, somebody surpassed you on the leaderboard. You know, these Notification needs to be pushed to you.
1: Uh, you don't have a consumer version of this that you can use within the family for, for shores and for other things.
2: Uh, <laughs> we are actually re- announcing a partnership with Rev Genius. Uh, so you, you heard it here first, I guess, uh, depending on when this podcast comes out. But uh, it's a huge sales uh, community, especially in North America. They have 18,000 typical you know, SDRs and AEs on there. And, and uh, we've provided them with our technology so that anyone uh, who works with that community can get into the RevGenius Sigasuin environment and compete and celebrate and and you know on meetings booked opportunities created and cost one. So that's uh, we're getting towards the community uh, stage now. But yeah, it's usually something that businesses buy for their internal teams.
1: I'll have to continue with Shore Monster that I tried for my kids before. Then <laughs> it's it's another concept, but uh, some similar. I, I feel
0: that's an episode on its own. Tom, we got to <laughs> we got to come back to that one day. Uh, Cinder, I was also a little bit curious when it comes to, um, these competitions and specifically the, the incentives or the awards, if you may, I think most of us are used to there, there is a, a financial incentive, but like, what, what's your take here? I think you touched upon it a little bit, but is it just the money that matters or,
2: um, you know, for, in general, I would say for salespeople, it's money in the pocket and a pat on the back. Uh, so they need both. But uh, when it comes to rewards, it's so hard for sales managers to be creative. Like, should you buy that red wine bottle again? Right. You know, what about those who doesn't like red wine and they want white wine or they want cash or they want a gift card? Uh, what we found eventually was that uh, we introduced our own virtual currency. Okay. Uh, and you could do that as a company yourself. You know, you create your own currency, uh, SAS Nordic Credit, And uh, you can give them out when they hit those milestone awards, when they, you know, win competitions, when they challenge each other in battles. But for the manager, then you get this extra layer, you can start to teardrop coins uh, or or credits um, to more than just the top three uh, on the leaderboard, right? Right. You can have the top 50%, uh, kind of like in Formula One, receives some credits and higher you go, the more you get and you accumulate them in your wallet and you exchange them in a reward shop for whatever you're seeking. So if you want that ball of red wine, you exchange 20 credits for that. If you're looking for the Rolex watch and you have uh, three years in you, well, you can save for that. You know, uh, it's it's up to, in, to the individual to find what they want uh, and, and what motivates them. So this is a, ter- a typical, you know, external motivational factor, but it makes it easier for the sales manager to, get more people involved in the competition because more people can win. And uh, if you just go one more step up on the leaderboard, you get more credits that you can exchange for gifts that you actually care about. So I would suggest doing uh, something like that, create your internal swag shop uh, and, and currency and tokens. And, and you, then you can use the tokens um, uh, creatively.
0: I love that. And, and
2: also like to endorse people, you know, Hey, you help me out there's 20 tokens and right uh you're a unicorn you know it's like uh <laughs> those things uh, concepts yeah. as well
0: i love that. that that's a that's a great concept and i also got to ask you since, since you are in the u.s now and uh, i have a personal experience with this as well uh and it was not me winning it it was my wife that won some kind of top excellent salesperson and they flew us over to hawaii and selected other top performers and so on it was great for for us and the families that were there. But I, I I've always had a tough time taking that to heart and like what does that do to the rest of the organization when you know like well, these guys are boozing it up for five days over there? Like what's your take? Is that still something people do? Is that something you want to do to particularly give like a little bit special and exclusive treatment for those top performers?
2: This is a cultural phenomenon phenomenon uh, is that how you say? It? Uh, so yes, I, I would say that's still very much going on. Uh, it's the concept of precedence club. That's what they call it in North America. So if you're uh, on the top 20 or something like that, you, you become a, a part of the precedence club and you're being flown out uh, to this kind of trip. Um, it actually you know, it creates a lot of excitement. People want to get into that click. They want it's something that they strive for. Uh, it also is a bit brutal to the culture so it's realizing that uh, yes, you might have the same twenty percent top performers, uh, and you also have twenty percent bottom performers who unfortunately needs to go and and find something else. Right. Um, how big of an impact does this have on the core, the middle sixty percent, sixty percent performers? I'm not sure. Maybe not the most because they 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 don't aren't able to get there. Uh, but you also need to have something for the top twenty percent, and it's definitely motivating for them. Uh, so, again, I'm just going to go back to, you know, mix it up. This is something that's an incentive that's uh, impactful and has been proven over time to work, especially in the North American culture for top performers. But you also need something for the core performers. Uh, so, change it up, mix it up.
1: So, I mean, it sounds like that there is a lot of opportunities here, fantastic tools and everything. But if you're the revenue leader at the company, how do you do to implement this and make this work for, for everyone? Because it's not just the technical system of course so how how do you implement it would you say
2: yeah i, I would say it's it's more a, a mindset uh, than it is a technology right so uh, it's realizing that you, you have a lot of untapped potential in your revenue team to increase the performance if you make their work life more fun and exciting so it's being creative and finding uh, concepts and, and constantly seeking you know uh, different initiatives and change it up regularly and on how can you get them fired up for their actual work, like the things leading up to that sale. Um, So, uh, you know, it's more that the mindset is, yes, we have many tools that automates this and that and and makes uh, it easier, and we have artificial intelligence and machine learning that uh, elevates intent and whatnot. Uh, But don't forget the people, you know, just... Be creative and, and have it as a focus area. Put it on your OKRs. How can we fire people up? How can we get them engaged? How can we motivate them? And, and ask your teammates, ask your manager, ask the reps. Like, what would make your work life more fun and and exciting? You know, and and if you want a quick fix, of course, come and buy sales screen because that's what we do. But yeah, <laughs> <Right>. it's <laughs> um, it is that mindset shift that, that really needs to come to life.
1: Yeah. So the first thing, I mean, I was about to ask you, what would your recommendation, the the first things that you should implement? But as you say, talk to the team and see what motivates them. And then you can identify maybe a few things that you can start with, see what works, what doesn't work, and then reiterate reiterate from that.
2: Yeah, And talk to, you know, seek out podcasts, seek out peers and and ask them what are they doing to keep their team engaged and motivated in in a remote setting? You know, this is a hot topic today, so... um, yeah, it's always uh, recommended to, to branch out.
0: Awesome. I I, I love this. And, and just in a second here, we're going to wrap up here. But you got to tell us, like, what is the most played victory theme? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is
2: actually uh, Eye of the Tiger, probably because we, we mentioned that so many times uh, throughout the onboarding.
1: It's the only one that you have the rights to.
2: No, actually, we allow each individual rep to choose their own YouTube snippet. Uh, so it's gonna play like a 15 second walkout uh, tune. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So we've seen many creative takes Sarah, I personally have "What does the fox say?" playing a full bass. If I
1: a true patriot, had to be. You know, Thomas, what would your be? Oh, good question. Maybe also being patriotic, the winner takes it all. Ooh, it's a good one. Yeah, I actually played that when I went to my first interview at In River once upon a time. On repeat, or maybe another one, Petters, it uh, Okay. Uh, money is coming in. Money is coming in. What about money, 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 Abba? Or? I don't like that so much. <laughs> so, I mean, this has been amazing. I, I think uh, we, we got a lot of good ideas here. It's going to be really interesting to hear if any of this will be implemented in a way or other uh, among our, our members and the community. Uh, but, but also, I mean, you have had a great journey so far, but what is in the future for Sales Green?
2: So the future for Sales green is right now bright. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Like the pandemic set some things in motion for us. Uh, so uh, we're probably one of the benefactors. Uh, people have this concept of how do I engage and motivate my teams top of mind. Uh, and we've seen that in our growth numbers. Um, and for us now, I think we have the engine. Uh, it's working globally. We're present in, you know, in APAC, in North America, in, uh, across EMEA. We have huge brands, so we're at that stage where uh, we are considering growth equity uh, and taking a bigger um, check and and really accelerating this to a category defining uh, type of level. Uh, So luckily, we we are not alone in our space. Uh, I think that's important to actually define a category and um, just as outreach. uh, benefited from salesloft and, and vice versa and going and, and course we have uh, our friends over at ambition uh, so we hope to create uh, a new category which is human centric and focused uh, and we're, where we take this as you know serious as we do uh, our intelligence and, and intent and, and all of other types of tools that we're using you know how we get your people engaged and motivated so build out that category is my goal uh, and seeking out the the right partner to do that is it's top of mind for 2022
1: okay so my next question would be what are you looking for right now but it might be that partner that you're talking about is that
2: yeah it's only two things it's customers 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 you know and uh and it's uh i guess for 2022 uniquely and uh it's that partner yeah it's uh, someone who truly believes in in this space this category and and what we achieved so far and is uh able to take us to the next level
1: okay cool and and lastly who would you like to see on the show um yeah i am gonna.
2: Thinking about that, uh, I think uh, right now, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, so looking at the soft space for healthcare could be interesting. Um, I, was, I was thinking about uh, Dossier, yeah, which is a Norwegian competency platform, a really mature business in the home market, but then bridged over to the West Coast of the US to kind of um, start expanding their footprint there and it's having tremendous success. So Uh, Gail Geir Arnoff is the CEO of uh, Dossier. I think he could be a a cool guy to have on the show and and talk about his learnings.
1: Okay, you know him?
2: Yeah, I can introduce you
0: guys if
1: you want. That would be fantastic. There you go. Awesome. Uh, Hey, Sindre, it was
0: uh, great having you on the show. Fantastic takeaways for everybody that's running a sales organization. I hope you guys listen and listen carefully, but this was really good having you on here. Thank you.
1: Yeah, bye. All right, Daniel. What is your takeaway from this episode?
0: Uh, lots of takeaways. Lots of ta- uh, first of all, I uh, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and, and say it. I'm big fan of of Sindra. Uh, big fan of these types of platforms. I'm, I'm all about encouraging and incentivizing and, and motivating people to do well and to recognize that. So I think they have, uh, from my perspective, something really, really good going on here. Um, I think if I would be somehow to, to pinpoint one big takeaway, it would be about the importance of creating these programs so they're not just tailored for one person or two people to be highlighted as the superheroes and superstars. People know who the superheroes are. People know who the superstars are. And, and they will get their share of recognition, which they very much deserve. But if you want to have any success with the wider group, you've got to have a platform that recognizes everybody and even the small wins. So I think uh, that was a, a good reminder. I've, I've certainly tried to work with that. I think I've been pretty decent at it, but it's, it's a nice refresher. What about you, Thomas? Maybe looking at this as an outsider.
1: No, but but uh, you know I'm, I'm also a believer in gamification. Um I'm actually the founder of Gamification Sweden, a group on LinkedIn that I, you know, abandoned many <laughs> years ago. But <laughs> what? I did not know about this. Take it back. Maybe we can do something with it. Yeah, I don't know. But it's there anyway. So I had an idea a couple of years ago to maybe do something within gamification. But one thing that, that I liked, you know... To, to manage this that uh, you know a bottle of wine maybe not suits everybody to to sort of um, use this virtual company currency right that can be used in different uh, ways of course you like that yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> like a cryptocurrency yeah is there nfts involved anywhere i don't know but i mean that triggers some ideas uh, maybe we should have a sasnodic coin as well i don't know we have chatted a little bit about it, right? Yeah, who knows?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really, really interesting episode and something something that's that's close to my heart. And uh, yeah, I hope you, you guys enjoyed it. If you're working with sales and you want to motivate your, your people and you want to have a fun way of doing it, this could be it.
1: Absolutely. And tell us, I mean, tell us in the Slack community or... Uh, at LinkedIn on the episode post how you work with this at your company it would be really interesting to hear your experience in this area definitely all right so uh, see you next time